the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Righteous. I don't have to show you any stinking righteous. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Glad you made it, everybody. Hour two here on the Chris Salcedo Show. And really quickly, let me finish out our our examination of this conversation between Phil Donahue and Stephanie Rule over at um, MSNBC. How did we get here, though? How did we get to this fake news vortex at a time when there's more media than ever, there is pressure for clicks, and even institutions like the Washington Post and the New York Times are called by the President of the United States the fake news media? <laughs> she doesn't, either she doesn't know or doesn't remember the origin of the term fake news. Let's discuss this and many more things with Cheryl Atkinson. She is an Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist, folks. A real, live, bona fide journalist. We can't find them anymore. They're, they're almost extinct. She was a correspondent for CBS News from 1993 to 2014. She is the host of Sinclair's Sunday morning news program, Full Measure. And Cheryl is the author of the brand new book, The Smear, How Shady Political Operatives and Fake News Control What You See, What You Think, and how you vote. Cheryl, welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is all ours. Trust us. Uh, look, I, let, me, let me get off uh, first on this foot of reminding uh, uh, the folks over at MSNBC where the term fake news came from. It came from originally a smear toward Donald Trump because they were saying the only reason he had won the presidency was because of the fake news that was being generated by the Russians, and then he co-opted that term and uh, turned it on them, and now they don't appreciate that term very much. It's funny because people forgot that, you know, I traced it back really to September of 2016, and a group called First Draft, a nonprofit on the web, announced this anti-fake news effort, partnering with groups like CNN and New York Times and Washington Post, and I dug in a little bit about them, and it turns out they were founded in the U.K. at the beginning of the election season here, at the election cycle, with funding primarily from Google's parent company, Alphabet, whose CEO or whose head was Hillary Clinton's second largest donor. And as soon as they made their announcement in September, within a month, President Obama was jumping aboard saying there had to be curators in the wild, wild west to get rid of fake news. And all of a sudden, as if they had their marching orders, this phrase made headlines nearly every day in the media. Right, you're absolutely correct, until Donald Trump co-opted it and started putting it back on so-called journalists who were fa fabricating news. Uh, the most recent example is CNN, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I thought it fascinating that, that, that this individual, Stephanie Rule over at, at MSNBC, she really either had forgotten or didn't understand the origin of the term fake news. That's right. And that's why I kind of call him President Trump, the anti-smear candidate because of his unconventional way of handling things. Um, he's a wild card and they, they really all attempts to smear him seem to ultimately backfire. Uh, I was asked by one of our our listeners who knew you were coming on. Could you please ask Cheryl this about the infiltration of the news media by persons hired by outside progressive liberal entities uh, these individuals are supposed to sway news coverage 
to the left to be sympathetic toward the left wing. Can you explain that? I'm, I'm imagining he was wanting to find out if that was detailed in your book. Yes, I mean, what I say is there's been an infiltration that's taken place over the past decade where we're not only inviting political pundits and operatives and even corporate actors to be on the news, you know, talking points as for state television, well, we've invited them in our newsroom as well, hiring them as editorial presences, as reporters and anchors, producers, and people who are making decisions to steer the narratives. And why are we surprised, therefore, that narratives in the end are being steered by the very people that we're reporting on? Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist Cheryl Atkinson, our guest right now, the book is called The Smear, How Shady Political Operatives and Fake News Control What You See, What You Think, and How You Vote. CNN, MSNBC, the major networks. I, I, I don't think I, I am stepping out of line by saying that actual journalism has really fallen here in this country, and it's to the detriment of, of, of our citizens. I, I know that you, you being an actual journalist has probably mapped this fall. How did we get here? I think it's been many years in the making where there's an entire industry that's grown up in the past decades that has realized the value of being able to co-opt the images we see on the news and with the advent of the internet online and in social media and they've perfected the techniques because they know that there's nothing more powerful than controlling the images the public sees for a political and usually financial interest at its heart and they've how we got here is I think we in the news media were not as careful as we should have been and could have been in making sure we stayed independent of these influences. By the time I saw it happening with my stories, maybe starting about 10 years ago, the sophisticated efforts by corporations and PR firms and law firms that would try to stop news and you know smear reporters so that they didn't report certain things. Uh, by the time I saw it happening with more frequency and sophistication, I was saying to people at CBS and the lawyers at CBS and investigative reporter conferences, we need to look at this and really focus on it, develop our own strategies to make sure we remain outside of that influence. And I, I just feel like not many people were focused on it or thought it was very important. And, and now it's, I won't say it's too late to ever fix it, but it's so far, it's so deeply entrenched. I don't know what you do that's an easy fix. Yeah, to circle back to the, the whole fake news and, and its origins, and let me add another layer to that. Uh, on the Republican side, repeal and replace. Now, we here on the, on the Chris Salcedo Show, opinion, not news, we have called, well, BS on, on this whole idea of repeal and replace of Obamacare. That's not what the Republicans are doing. They're tweaking, they're repairing, whatever. They're not re repealing anything and they're not replacing it, but you see all over the press this this echoing of what the Republicans are, are, are saying, it's repeal and replace, and there's no thoughtful examination of what the Republicans are actually doing. And, and this, to me, is symptomatic of a press that is being led by the nose rather than, well, frankly, doing what, what you used to do, which was, I am not going to accept the narrative. I'm going to report what I find. It, it seems that there could be a financial component with a lot of these newsrooms not not having the financial resources to to do that kind of thing anymore, but it's also laziness, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people cite resources over time as to why certain kind of reporting isn't done, and I don't buy that because, you know, there, it's possible to do that kind of reporting without a lot of resources. It doesn't always take money. It takes desire and some brain work and 
you know, legwork, basically. So I, I don't think it's just a resource issue. But uh. Yeah. Hey, guys, you'll be loser because uh, I'm not hearing her on my end. I, Cheryl, can you hear me? Yeah, for some reason, guys, I can't hear her. Uh, okay, uh, let me just reintroduce her and hopefully we can get her back here really quickly. Cheryl Atkinson, everybody, is an Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist. She was a correspondent for CBS News, 1993 to 2014. Uh, she's the most, uh, uh, the host, rather, of Sinclair's Sunday morning news program, Full Measure. Cheryl is the author of the new book, The Smear, How Shady Political Operatives and Fake News Control What You See, What You Think, and How You Vote. Guys, any luck in getting her back? Okay. Well, I tell you what, uh, let me uh, just divert here briefly and give you guys a little bit of history. And when we bring her back on, I'll be able to ask this final question. Cheryl Atkinson was dismissed from CBS News. She was dismissed because she had it in her mind that she was to report with the same serious vigor on the Obama administration that she had reported on the Bush administration with. That is a journalist's job to be fair and even handed regardless of, of, of who is inside of the Oval Office. And she took it seriously. Uh, during the Bush administration, the folks at CBS had no problem with her being a hard nosed journalist and going after the truth with the Bush administration. However, when she took that same work ethic, uh, into the Obama administration, there was a problem. The Obama administration had come up with a war room designed to berate, to abuse, and to threaten access to certain news agencies if they didn't fall in line and stopped and, and didn't adopt the president's mantra or mindset or, or vernacular on how to refer to certain issues. And like I was just talking with Cheryl Atkinson about, she wasn't about to do that because it would be compromising. Well, and, and I've interviewed her before. It would be compromising what she had basically set herself up to, to do her entire life, which was be a hard-hitting journalist. And uh, the Obama administration didn't appreciate it, and thus CBS didn't appreciate it. So uh, I'm, I am so sad that our, our cell phone signal and our, our phone signal uh, died out. We'll have to end it right here. Cheryl Atkinson, everybody. Uh, Full Measure is the name of her Sinclair Sunday morning program and the name of the book, The Smear, How Shady Political Operatives and Fake News Control What You See, What You Think, and How You Vote. I'll be right back. It's Chris Salcedo's show here on The Blaze. Broadcasting with Latin flair. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. All right, we got her back. Uh, folks, uh, welcome back. Cheryl Atkinson, the name of the book, is, um, is the smear how shady political operatives and fake news control what you see, what you think, and how you vote. Cheryl, gr- glad we made a, a reconnect. And, and, and I, only had one, I only had one more question for you, but I'm, I'm happy to, to talk a little bit more about you because uh, uh, some behind-the-scenes folk stuff uh, that were going on today about <laughs> me trying to connect with Cheryl, I'm going to take every opportunity I can, and i got to get her out of here because she's got another interview to go to. But... Uh, I had set up this question by detailing how 
you were fired from CBS and the circumstances surrounding that. Now, I'm not going to say that your being uh, your conflict with CBS and your being let go by CBS was the harbinger or what started all of this, but I think it was one of the sim- symptoms that showed that uh, of coverage going downhill, of having a slant. You hear now journalists referring to right-wing news and you hear them referring to left-wing news and I was always under the impression it was just supposed to be news. Uh, this polarization in news isn't healthy, is it? Oh no, did we lose her again? <laughs> oh no. Well, you know, folks, not for lack of trying. Not for lack of trying. And I, and I don't want to put words in her mouth, so you know what? We'll just save it for another time. Uh, we will save... Uh, that's something to tease ladies and gentlemen, uh, to uh, Cheryl Atkinson. Again, I, I really highly recommend the book. She doesn't put out anything bad. I mean, I have, I have yet to hear or read of anything, any of her products that are not straight down the middle and full of integrity. The name of the book, The Smear, How Shady Political Operatives and Fake News Control What You See, What You Think, and How You Vote. Glad, you, glad you, she could have made it at least for the limited time that we had her here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Okay, now, uh, some other things we want to get into, and I brought this up with Cheryl, about what the Republicans are really doing. Now, what have you guys been force-fed by the... By the <laughs> are you kidding me, really? Okay, you know what? No, 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 let's... I, I mean, I've, maybe we'll get the answer to this question. I am dying to ask this question. Cheryl, are, are you back with me? Yes, I'm here. Okay, excellent. Uh, so the, the, the question I have basically w- w- was this. We, I detailed for the folks the circumstances surrounding your, your being let go from CBS. And, and I don't want to say that was the harbinger, that was the beginning of the downfall of journalism, although I thought it was a travesty. But uh, nowadays we're hearing journalists openly saying, oh, right-wing news and left-wing news. And I was under the impression there was supposed to be just news. And this polarization is not healthy for journalism, is it? It's not. And, you know, what I've noticed is if, if you're sort of CBS like I was for many years or PBS or CNN, you're considered just the news, even if your ownership leans left and supports Democrats and so on. But if you work for anybody else, you're automatically right-leaning because <laughs> you don't work for one of the left-leaning outlets, but they're rarely called left-leaning. So um, as someone who's been all across working at various different organizations, it's interesting to see the labels that come, um, you know, that, that have come with all of this and the turn that it's taken. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm a big proponent of education and getting some sense back into education. Don't you think something has to happen at the educational level for, for journalism students so they can get a proper perspective? Because I think you're right. I think what they're learning at the college level or maybe even the high school level is that left-wing bias equals real journalism and anything that's not left-wing biased is, is either fake journalism or right-wing bias. I think that's true. The problem is for us to correct um, I've been saying lately, we have to A, admit there's a problem and B, have the desire to change. And I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we really have admitted in our industry we think we have a problem. We think, we're, you know, many of, the, many of the people we're talking about think they're doing exactly the right thing. And they certainly haven't developed a you know, desire to change. 
Well, I am glad to promote your work and promote your book. Again, folks, The Smear, how shady political operatives and fake news control what you see, what you think, and how you vote. We're always thrilled to have you. Cheryl Atkinson, everybody, is the author, Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist. Keep us posted on what you're up to because we love having you on. Okay, Chris. Thank you so much. All right. Pleasure was all mine. Telephone number, folks, you want to weigh in is 888-933-93-888-900-3393. See, I finally got that last question asked. And it, boom, there you go. <laughs> we can call that done. Now, to the Republicans. We are being told that there is an effort up on Capitol Hill by the Republican Party to repeal and replace Obamacare. Is that the truth. I take you to Molly Hemingway last night having a conversation with Bill Hemmer on Fox News Channel. And she rather honestly and forthrightly let us all know what what she believes and I think she's telling the truth here and I think she's accurately portraying what is going on here uh, up on Capitol Hill with Republicans. She had this to say. I will submit to you that Dr. Krauthammer here last night, sitting in that very chair, submitted the reason why this is so difficult to do. When you have an entitlement, it's very difficult to pull it back. And Molly, is that where we are? I think what we really have seen with both the House and the Senate bills is that there is not much of a consensus for repealing Obamacare. So I think they should actually just admit that this is not a bill that will repeal Obamacare. It's a bill to fix Obamacare. And when you are viewing it that way, you do have much more flexibility to actually build a coalition to pass, uh, to pass legislation. You know what she's talking about. That coalition will be made up of the very people who inflicted Obamacare on us to begin with. Um, she's right. Don't get me wrong. She's, she's 100% correct. But the strategy she's laying out there necessitates that Mitch McConnell abandon this silly repeal effort. And try to get Democrat buy-in, the very same people who got us into this mess. And only they did. Not one Republican vote gave cover to this travesty that is Obamacare that's, that's causing so much damage, so much pain. Then you got to ask yourself, well, why aren't the Republicans committed to repeal? They've campaigned on it for seven years. And the Senate bill actually does give quite a bit of uh, room there. It has uh, that um, things that conservatives should be happy about, things that liberals should be happy about. So we'll have to see how it Well, goes. we know where the president stands. He said this about it today, about Obamacare going down. Obamacare is dying. It's essentially dead. You don't give it the subsidy, it would die within 24 hours. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a headache for everybody. It's been a nightmare for many. And we are looking at a health care that would be a fantastic tribute to our country, a health care that will take care of people finally for the right reasons and also at the right cost. I don't think that's what's happening here. I mean, I, I understand what the president is trying to do. I understand they want to get health care out of the way so they can get to the, what they're really good at, which is uh, tax reform. But look, uh, why can't they come up with a simple repeal measure? They've been campaigning on it for the last seven years. Well, the problem seems to be with people who call themselves Republicans. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network.
Salcedo. You know, I still sense that we're at impasse, and I said that yesterday at lunch with our Republican caucus, and everybody kind of laughed because, yeah, there's still quite a bit of disagreement. And it's, there's basically two factions. There are conservatives like myself who don't want new federal programs. We want to repeal Obamacare. And then there's uh, the moderates who kind of want to keep some of Obamacare, and they're not too uh, opposed to new federal government programs. That's it in a nutshell, folks. That's Rand Paul detailing what makes up the Republican caucus. Well, not only in the Senate, let's be fair, there are plenty of these non-conservative Republicans inside of the United States House of Representatives as well, who are individuals who believe that Republicans can just administer the large, oppressive state better than Democrats can. They're pure of heart. The Democrats are the devil, but... You get, uh, you get Republicans in there and this massive bloated bureaucratic government that takes that sucks the very marrow out of your bones that is consigning your children to, uh, well, destitution because of the overwhelming debt. We're at $20 trillion now. These individuals populate both sides of the political aisle. They dominate the Democrats and the Republicans have a certain segment of their population who, as Rand Paul rightly pointed out, they just don't have a problem. They just don't have much of a problem at all with the big administrative state lording over your life. So what I've come up with, and I talked to the president yesterday about this, is what about dividing the bill in two? Mm -hmm. Do the repeal, which no Democrat will vote for, repeal the taxes, repeal the regulations, and do a fix to Medicaid that helps to pay for everything, reform Medicaid. No Democrats will vote for anything good like that, but Democrats will always vote for spending. Sure. And so the, the big government Republicans that want more spending take the spending and put it in a bill that the Democrats will vote for. There are about, there's about 20 different bills Democrats vote for every year. Stick it on one of those mm -hmm. bills, and now you have two bills. Boom, you get it done in five minutes. And the president seemed open and interested in the idea. Well, so, what, so basically what you got to do is you got to buy off all of those big tax and spend Republicans. You've got to promise them that um, the, the American taxpayer will be raped at some future point uh, and they and their Democrat friends will be able to get all kinds of money but, but it, uh, and, and then redistribute it. You've got to assure them of, of that. But then, but then you do get rid fully the cancer that is Obamacare. So at least you buy the American people. It, it would be a give and take. Yes, we're going to be destitute, but at least we'll have great health care. At least we'll have one-sixth of the U.S. economy that is not taken over by socialism. So that's the trade-off. And that's, that's what Rand Paul... Now, I think his idea has merit. I don't like the idea of having to buy off so-called Republicans any more than you do. But I think that's where we are from the likes of uh, Susan Collins and others who just love themselves your money, love to take your money and redistribute it to folks they believe need it. Now, you heard Rand Paul make reference to reforming Medicaid. We had some of this on the show yesterday, and we talked a little bit about it with uh, our doctor in the first hour. 
But think about this. 50, I think um, Dr. Durrell said that we added 15 million people across this country onto the Medicaid rolls. 15 million folks that shouldn't be on Medicaid who are now on Medicaid. Medicaid wasn't designed to handle these people, but Obama, King Obama said, let me be clear, I declare you should go on there. And Democrats applauded, yay. And Republicans retreated and and cowered in the corner. And now the narrative is, oh, the Republicans, they want to take away your Medicaid. And it was never intended for you 15 million folks. It was never intended for you. They want to take it away from you. That's the insidious nature of of our opposition. And we need clear thinking, articulate conservatives and Republicans to be able to make to be able to make the case that I just made to you. That these individuals and, and by the way, the doctor made the case too. these individuals who have been who are ineligible, who are leeches, who have been piled on to Medicaid. They are taking away the resources that could be used for the people who are really in need. The disabled, vulnerable women and vulnerable children. The very people that Medicaid was founded to help. Now there is something I'm going to draw your attention to. It's on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. And it's from one of you. It's the second post from the top. I have some of the most brilliant Listeners in talk radio. And this listener put her imagination and took action to let the Republicans know what she thought. And I dare I say she echoes many of those who are conservatives, the Republican constituency. Let me see if I can pull this up, make it larger. I could tell you about it or I could read the exact note. Let me see if I can make this larger. Okay. Dear Republican National Committee, thank you for your recent fundraising letter. <laughs> I am grateful that Republicans in Congress have voted many times to repeal Obamacare and included in the GOP platform in which I quote from page 36, to that end, a Republican president on the day on the first day in office, will use legitimate waiver authority under the law to halt its advance, and then, with the unanimous support of congressional Republicans, will sign its repeal. It is time to repeal Obamacare and give America a much-needed tax cut, says the RNC. Now, this was the promise that was made during the campaign. This was the promise that, what did it say? Unanimous support of congressional Republicans. Well, apparently, nobody told Susan Collins, A, that she was a Republican, or, or B, that she was supposed to support repeal of Obamacare. <laughs> nobody told Heller from Nevada that he was supposed to be a Republican, part of this unanimous support, and was supposed to support repeal of Obamacare. See, these people are more interested in keeping money flowing to those who don't deserve it. Those who have been added to Medicaid wrongly and improperly to the detriment of those who really need those resources. They would rather uh, that continue. Uh, 
our listener went on. Sadly, it now appears the many voters in the Republican Congress took to repeal Obamacare fully knowing Obama would veto it were just show votes to lure us into continually supporting the GOP. Therefore, please accept my show donation. Remember, she just said they were show votes to repeal. Now, please accept my show donation. I am also gladly sending show donations to my congressman and to our inglorious leadership, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. P.S. The one good thing that you have going is President Trump and his administration. But let me be very clear to all of you, bait and switch Republicans. The primaries are coming. The primaries are coming. And she includes a picture of her check from Bank of America, which reads the following. June 25th, 2017. RNC. Pay RNC absolutely nothing. Zero dollars, zero cents, zip. (laughs) This is my show, in the memo, show donation for show votes. This is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I'd like to direct you to the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. Second post from the top. Not only do I encourage you to share this with every conservative you know, but I also encourage you maybe if you're so inspired to send in your own show donation to let Susan Collins, to let Mr. Heller and all of these other so-called Republicans know what we think about their show vote repeal efforts and also their faux repeal effort. Because ladies and gentlemen, Molly Hemingway is absolutely correct when she says it's not a repeal effort. It's not a repeal effort. Newt Gingrich was on Fox News today saying that not only does the president need a translator, but so too does the Congress. He was talking with Bill Hemmer. My next guest says that the president needs a translator. His word, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich, author of the New York Times, number one bestseller, Understanding Trump, also a Fox News contributor. Nice to see you in person, Mr. Speaker. Good day to you. Good to be here. Translator? Yeah, not, not just the president. Not just the, the not, not just the president. The whole party needs a translator. One example. I asked an audience the other day, how much do you think the House Republican Party bill uh, cuts Medicaid over 10 years? People said 20%, 30%, 50%. I said, well, how would you feel if you knew it went up 20% over 10 years? Actually, they spent 20% more in the 10th year than the first year. Because only in Washington does a 20% increase count as a cut. This is the narrative that Republicans are running away from that the Democrat Party is making. Because you don't give more money to Medicaid or the money to Medicaid that we believe it deserves, we're going to call it a cut, even though there are increases every single year to Medicaid for the next 10 years. But that in the mind of some bureaucrats and some fiscally irresponsible leaders, Democrats, and even some Republicans, that constitutes a cut. And nobody's making the case. Nobody is standing up and and saying what Newt Gingrich just said. He's not even an elected member of Congress. Where's Paul Ryan? Oh, we don't want to make that case. We're too busy running because the Democrats say we want to kill people. 
888-900-3393. Don't forget the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page, folks. It is hilarious. A show donation for all of the Republicans' hard work and their show votes. Back in a minute, the Salcedo Show on The Blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. We were trying to cover more people. You know what? We paid the political price for it, but sign me up. And the Democrats went into the minority since 2010, primarily because the Republican Party used this issue to bludgeon the Democrats. They demagogued the issue, repeal and replace, seven years, no plan, nothing. That was Tim Ryan, a Democrat from Ohio. Some are saying that because of his fiery speech that uh, Nancy Pelosi ought to be looking over her shoulder. But let me address the substance of what the Democrat from Ohio had to say, Tim Ryan. First off, he said, the Democrats beat us up over Obamacare. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Ryan, your party deserved it. They got no Republican buy-in. There was no bipartisanship in Obamacare. It was, let me be clear, I won. That was it. That was the, that was the sum total of debate from President Obama. So all of the, all of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, all of the, blowback that you received from Republicans was deserved. And the rollout was botched. The results have been botched. I mean, can anybody look at the massive increases in premiums, the massive increases in deductibles and say, well done Democrats. And it is solely your responsibility, Mr. Ryan, you and your party, sir, Solely your responsibility, not one Republican vote. Now, to his criticism of seven years of the Republicans rightly pointing out the disaster that has been Obamacare. They have no plan. On this, Tim Ryan has a great point, a fantastic point. And it makes the Republican Party look silly. It makes the Republican Party look trivial. It makes them look like, to be quite frank, ladies and gentlemen, it makes the Republican Party look like they don't know how to govern. If you're going to sit there and bash on a Democrat idea, which richly deserved it, of socialized medicine, you damn well better have a plan to come back and say, well, here's how we would do it better. And you better have it ready to go day one, in particular when your campaign literature said that you would would have that ready to go. In particular, when that was the main impetus and one of the selling points that you said a Republican control of Congress and the White House was so needed so we could repeal and replace Obamacare. 
and to have no plan to make that happen is absurd. And it's irresponsible. And you deserve that criticism. All right, remember everybody, society's worth not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have a great day, folks. Friday tomorrow. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network.